Well, today we're in part four of our series on prayer, and I titled the message today, Praying with Potency. Praying with Potency. And I didn't use the word power intentionally, which you'll see later on why I didn't use the word power, but let me go ahead and define potency for you. Potency is defined as the power of something to influence or to make an impression. Somebody say, make an impression. I want you to make an impression when you pray. I want you to think about taking, a, taking your hand and putting it into, you know, some kind of wet clay or wet cement. Have you seen people do this? You know, you put it into the, and you put words and cement. I want you to think about, <clears throat> excuse me, when you pray, making an impression in the spiritual realm. Making an impression in someone's life. Making an impression when you pray. I want you to know that our prayers can be powerful. They're not always powerful. By the way, uh, God gave to me while I was preparing for this sermon this week, he gave me the download for next week, and it's going to be what hinders your prayers. So I want to talk to you next week about the things, the reason, in other words, why your prayers may not be working. If you're praying and nothing's happening, there could be some things uh, that, that are contributing to that. And I want to talk to you. Did you know that the Lord doesn't always hear your prayer? Have you ever heard somebody say, the Lord always hears our prayers? And here's, here's the truth. That is a lie. I just want you to know that. No, the Lord always hears me. Okay? I just want you to know he may hear you, but he doesn't hear everyone. And that's biblical. And I want to teach on that next week. So I'm excited about my prayer life next week. Let me just tell you. <laughs> What is he trying to say to me? You know, you've been praying to me for five years, Ricky, and there's a reason I'm not listening. Okay. All right. Well, today, I want to talk about praying with potency. Okay? So James 5.16. Are you ready to do some work with me on this, church? Did you come ready to listen and learn today? All right. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I want to unpack two Greek words us. First of all, righteous. When you read the sentence, it makes you think about, well, what is a righteous man? Because I want my prayers to be powerful and effective. Does anyone here, and I love being a little sarcastic when I preach, so does anyone here want to be ineffective when you pray? In other words, when you pray, you don't want to make an impression. You're like, I don't want to, you know, just to actually go beyond what I'm saying, you know. All right. So we want our prayers to be powerful and effective. Yes, church? Amen. All right. You want your prayers to be powerful and effective. When you pray to win the lottery, you want to be powerful <laughs> and somebody say effective. Amen. Okay. Remember, next week is the week I'm talking to you about why your prayers aren't being answered. <laughs> so for all those who pray to win the lottery or whatever. But, okay. So the righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay. So the word righteous is a Greek word that simply means to be used of him. Now, here's the thing. In the way of thinking, feeling, and here's what I want you to understand, okay? A righteous person is. They are wholly conformed. That is a whole. They are fully conformed. Their whole body, their mind, their will, and their emotions are wholly conformed to the will of God. So I'm going to read it to you with the definition in its place. So you can then understand it, all right? So the prayer of a person, okay, who is wholly conformed to the will of God, when they pray, there will be power and effectiveness. Changes the meaning a little bit. 
Many people think that righteousness means perfection, and that's not it. Righteousness doesn't mean you're perfect. God already knows you're not perfect. Okay, so, so this is not about a perfection thing. This is not about perfectly obedient. That would rule us all out to ever have powerful and effective prayers. Your prayers are powerful when you are wholly conformed, fully conformed, might be a better way of saying it to you, to the will of God. Because when you pray according to the will of God, it'll be done for you. All right. The second word is effective. This is the Greek word where we get the word energy from. It's energeo. Okay, so that's where you get the word energy. So it has energy behind it. Okay, so it, the word means at work or put forth power or energy. It conveys the idea of energizing something. For some reason, that little pink bunny is in my head. Okay, similar to an electrical current that brings energy to a circuit. So you bring energy or you energize your prayers and they become powerful, they become effective. I'm going to say they make an impression because there's energy behind them. Now, some people interpret this, which is false, which is not true, which you'll see in a minute, that this type of praying is that really intense, we got to shout louder. And, and the prayers that we, we shout and, 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 you know, and that type of praying is the prayer that Paul is writing about, and, or James is writing about, and that's not true. He is not talking about shouting, although shouting can happen in prayer. He's not talking about groaning and moaning, although Paul talks about groaning and moaning when you pray. He's not talking about sweating drops of blood like Jesus prayed in the garden where he sweat drops of blood, although that can happen. He is saying if you want powerful and effective prayers, they need to be fully conformed. That is, you need to be fully conformed to the will of God. And when you're fully conformed to the will of God and when you pray, you will have both energy and you will make an impression in the kingdom of God. If you want to pray that way, well, then you need to listen today. And the great part about this is James gives us an example of a person who is conformed to the will of God. So today is kind of, you're going to get kind of a double message. You're going to find out today whether or not you're really conformed to the will of God. And then you're also going to find out about how to pray with power and effectiveness. But you might leave here a little discouraged. Maybe I'm not conformed to the will of God. But my prayer for you today is that you will be conformed to the will of God. Not just so that you can win the lottery, but so that you can be conformed to the will of God. And therefore, God's will can be done in your life. Okay. So James tells us in the next verse, in verse 17... An example. Elijah, it says, was a human being, even as we are. Now, somebody say good news. Good news. Tell your neighbor good news. good news. All right, that's good news. Elijah, because you're, you're about to find out about Elijah, and Elijah was a human being, just like you are. That means he was not divine. So when you read the stories about Elijah, you cannot use the excuse, well, that was Elijah. He was just as human as you are, okay? And he prayed earnestly. Now, the word earnestly there is the same Greek word for the effectiveness. It's the word energy. So it's, it's not, uh, no, it's, it's just he prayed according to the will of God because he was a man conformed to the will of God, which we'll find out in a minute, that it would not rain. Now, here's his prayer. I'm praying it would not rain, and it did not rain. So you can thank me today for the beautiful weather because I prayed for that. I'm joking. I'm joking. But all right. But he said, it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. His prayer was so powerful and effective, his prayer 
led to a drought for three and a half years. How many of you would love to pray in such a way that you could determine the weather? Some hands going up. And what's amazing is the hands that didn't go up. You're like, no, I'd rather just take my chances each morning and see what happens. I like it. <laughs> Some of us are like more predictable. We want to plan. Today I'm going to the beach. I want 85. Amen? You follow me? Whatever you want. Okay. Well, Elijah prays, and he stops rain from occurring in the land. And then it says, and again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. So his prayers determined what heaven brought to earth. I'm going to say that again. His prayers determined what brought heaven to earth. So if heaven wanted to do something on earth, Elijah had to pray it first. Your prayers bring what is up there down here, if you would. Does that make sense? It's... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you're establishing what's in heaven on earth. And this is what Elijah did. And the earth produced its crops. We find this story in 1 Kings 17. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're going to be because I want you to see a person that's conformed to the will of God. So... In 1 Kings chapter 17, it's a remarkable story, and this is the story that James is alluding to when he talks about the prayer of a righteous man is both powerful and effective. Oh, let me give you an example. It's the story in 1 Kings 17, and this is the example that he gives for you and for me. All right, Elijah, it says uh, in verse, 1 Kings 17, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, who's the king, by the way, at the time. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will never be, neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. A couple words I want you to understand. The Hebrew word for serve is to stand firm or hold ground on. So here's what Elijah is ultimately saying. Here's what Elijah is saying. If you want to know about a man who's conformed to the will of God, this is what Elijah said. Ahab, I want you to know something. I am a man who stands firm on the word of God, and I'm not budging. There is one God, and that's the one that I serve. You're serving false God, Baal, but, but I'm serving the one true God, and I'm not budging on that. In other words, when our first conversation, I want you to know who I serve. I serve God. The second word I want you to understand is he says, at my word. And it's, a, it's the word that we get the word speech from. In other words, until my mouth moves. I want you to understand this. This is the God who I serve, and, and there will not be any chance of rain until my mouth moves. I want you to know that God, I believe, is waiting on people's mouths to move in order to move things from heaven to earth. But he needs your mouth to move. Don't tell me, you're, don't tell me your mouth moving doesn't matter when you sing praises to God. Don't tell me sitting in church or sitting in services and gathering, we corporately worship together, and you're not moving your mouth. Don't tell me that does not make a difference. It makes a difference. There's only one person in the world who doesn't want to hear you sing, and that is Satan. God loves to hear you sing praises. He loves his children to praise his name. So move your mouths when we worship. Move your mouths when you pray. It makes a difference. Okay, 
That was a whole other sermon. So Elijah is about to enter a, a famine for several years, and he knows it. And I want you to think about this, because God has revealed it to him, and then God tells him, watch this, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Number one, you want to know how you're wholly conformed to the will of God? Elijah listened to God. When you're, when you're fully conformed to the will of God, you listen to him. You listen to what he says. Amen? Prayer is not talking to God. It's talking with God. Elijah, first of all, listened to God. So God speaks to those who listen to him. Have you ever talked to your children, if, you're, if you have children, and they're not doing what you say, and so you just give up talking to them? Yes. You ever told them to do something and they didn't do it and you got fed up enough that you decided, well, I'm going to do it myself? It may not be with your children, but with somebody, your husband. You ever told your husband to do something, ladies, and he didn't do it, you just did it yourself? Yes? yes. Okay. All the time. Yes. Man, have you ever... Don't. Don't answer. <laughs> um, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Hear me out. If you don't listen to the Lord, why, why would he speak to you? If you're not going to do what he says to do, why do you want his words anyways? I knew when I wrote this message, you were going to love me and go, I can't wait to hear from that guy again. <laughs> I just want you to know. All right. That just means I'm conformed to the will of God. Okay. Yeah, positive thinking, I know. Verse 3. He says, leave here, 1 Kings 17, verse 3, leave here, turn eastward and hide in Kareth Ravine, east to the Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So this is God speaking, saying, I want you to go here, and, then the, and birds are going to supply you with food. And now look at verse 5. So he did what the Lord told him. So he didn't just listen to God. Okay, he says he did what the Lord told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. He didn't move. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Number two, Elijah did what God said to do. A person who's fully conformed to the will of God not only listens to God, but they do what God says to do. I want you to imagine God telling you. Now go there with Elijah. And God speaks to Elijah and he speaks to you and he says, the land is going to be in a famine and there will be no rain for three years. There will be no crops. These are going to be horrible conditions. Number one, I want you to tell everybody about it. Because you're going to tell the king, the king will tell everybody. So I want you to tell everybody in advance it's going to happen. And then I want you to go live in it. But don't worry, I will send a bird, and he will send you bread every day. Pause right there. Now, fast forward 2021, where you are today, and think about that. How many would be like, sounds good, let's do it? <laughs> God tells you to go talk to your neighbor about him, and you won't even budge. Elijah was willing to live in the middle of a famine and be fed a piece of bread every day, a piece of bread. 
No chicken, no vegetables, no Gatorade. Understand this. You get a piece of bread, and I'm not even going to tell you how long it's going to last. Because at first he said several years. In other words, God didn't tell me exactly how long. I just know it's going to be a while. So I'm going to go and root myself, sit myself down, and wait for a little bird to drop some bread to me. And that's how I'm going to live. And Elijah says, I'll go. That is a person who's conformed to the will of God. All right. Amen. When we do what God said to do, listen, when we don't do what God says to do, we can't expect his promises to occur. When we don't do what God says to do, we can't expect God's promises to occur. On the flip of that, when you do what God says to do, you can expect his promises to occur. See, Elijah wasn't worried. Because he knew that God had spoken and God always delivers on his promises. And so he sat in the middle of a famine waiting for a raven. Oh, there it is. I knew it was coming. Because he knew that God delivers on his promises. John 9.31 says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But he listens to the godly person who does his will. I'm letting you read it for a little bit longer. God to listen to you. Do his will. So for three years, Elijah puts himself in the middle of a famine because God said to. And now God says something else to Elijah, and here's what he tells him. 1 Kings 18 says, after a long time, in the third year, <laughs> three years, hey, almost a thousand days, right? A little over a thousand days, sitting, getting fed a piece of bread by a bird. Amen for that calling. Thank you, Jesus. Think about it. Okay. Elijah's a godly man. Amen? He's a, he's, a, he's a godly man. Anyone here to say, no, nah, that's not too godly? Comes to Elijah. And he says, go, present yourself to Ahab. Okay. Do you understand the severity of that? Anyone here, raise your hand if you understand the severity of that. Okay. I see, I see a few hands. Okay, if the majority of you did not raise your hand, which is perfect, that means I'm teaching the Word of God the right thing because most of you don't know this, and that's what God wants to tell you today. Now, ready? Watch this. All right. Ahab, by the way, is the husband to Jezebel. Jezebel is the worst possible wife you could have in your entire life. <laughs> Think about the most evil woman. Go ahead there, men or ladies. Think about her. Don't name, say her name out loud. Okay, Jezebel's way worse, Okay. All right, and Ahab is the husband of Jezebel. All right, go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. And I love the second part of verse, or the first part of verse two, and I highlighted it. So Elijah went. He went to King Ahab. He went. God said, go, and he went. 
Go. And he went. How many of you have ever been told to go and you stayed? Or you asked God for, tell me one more time. <laughs> Give me a third sign. Anyone here ask God for a tenth sign and you're still waiting on the tenth <laughs> sign to come? Okay. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now, you need to understand Ahab wanted to kill him. So don't just go talk to your friend. Go talk to the one man who's been searching for you for three and a half years, ready to kill you. Now, how, how much weight do you think the man has lost over three and a half years being a piece of bread and some water? You have starved me for three years, and now you're sending me to the man that wants to kill me. This, when God speaks, it makes no sense to the human mind. And yet, Elijah... He's such a godly man. I mean, yes, Lord. I'll go. We can make up and pretend that Elijah didn't want to go, but there is nowhere in Scripture at this moment, in this context, that says that Elijah had a second guess. He just went, got it. Because I've seen you produce a raven for three and a half years and drop bread. If you can do that, you can certainly save me from Ahab. So I'm not worried. So I will go stand in front of Ahab. I will go toe-to-toe. And he's got muscles, and he's a king, and he's got an arm. He's got powerful. I'm a scrawny little thing. I've been drinking bread and water. But God, you have me, so I'm not worried. Let's do this. So he goes, and he puts himself in front of Ahab. But before he does this, his, his Obadiah sent one of Ahab's servants to find Elijah and I want you to understand just the statement that he heard on his way to go see King Ahab. He runs into Obadiah and it says, As surely as the Lord God lives, this is verse 10, it says, There is not a nation or kingdom where my master, now this is Obadiah talking about King Ahab. And he says, He has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or a kingdom claimed that you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. In other words, I, this man wants to kill you and you want me to take you to him? You want me to deliver him to you? You want me to connect the two of you? But when you're willing to risk your life for God, can I tell you something today, church? And I've learned this from me. When you're willing to risk your life for the Lord, your life is no longer your own. And when your life is no longer your own, you are now conformed to the will of God. When you have given your life. Those who lose, lose their life for my sake, find it. Elijah was a righteous man. He was conformed fully to the will of God. How do I know that? Because he laid his life down. If the Lord take me, the Lord take me. Your life is not your own. You've handed it over to God. I want to tell you today, watching online, some of you, or you and here in person, can I just encourage you in this word today? Hand your life over to the Father. Hand it over. So Elijah 
then gets in front of Ahab and he calls a fight. Some of you know this. You can go read it later in 1 Kings chapter 18. He calls a fight and he tells King Ahab to gather all of his men who worship Baal, this false god. And they're worshiping these false pagan gods and Baal. And he says, go ahead and call upon your gods. Call your best soldiers. Call your guys around. Call your 450 false prophets. Call these people together because God's about to do something. And some of you may know the story. Maybe you don't. Again, go, go read about it. First Kings 18. You should go read. Go read your Bible. And in First Kings 18, there's a story that unfolds about uh, they, they take some wood and and uh, they try to light it on fire, and, and the prophets pray that fire would come, but it doesn't come. Then Elijah says, I want you to soak the wood and water. And he tells him to do it three times. Keep soaking it, soak it, soak it in water. When I call upon my God, he is going to light the match, and this wood will set ablaze. This miracle happens. It's this amazing moment. People are like, wow, this is definitely God. So after this amazing miracle, miracle that occurs, Elijah, right before this miracle occurs, I want you to see this in 1 Kings 18, verse 36. And ultimately, what I want to show you here, again, we're talking about a righteous man, what, what produced the miracle in this moment of this wood catching ablaze by the words that were being professed was the heart behind the words. I'm going to say that so you understand what I just told you. Did you hear me? Okay, what, what made the fires ablaze was the, the heart behind the words. What made the miracle occur was the heart behind the one that was praying the words for the miracle. I want you to see this. Verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God. In other words, I am not here to make myself known as the best prophet in the world. There is nothing in my heart here while I'm praying this that is about me. I am praying that the result of this is to make you known in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things, watch this, at your command. I just want the people to know that I'm a follower of you and that's it. That's all I care about. I want them to know that I'm a servant of you. That is all I care about right now. Then he goes on to say in verse 37, answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you are the Lord God, that you, Lord, are God. Answer me so that more people would know you, not me. Heart is revealed and that you are turning their hearts back again. Number three, Elijah's will was to accomplish God's will, not his own. The prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective it's a man who listens to God, who does what God says to do, and ultimately, their will is fully surrendered. No, 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 no. You didn't hear me. Really surrendered. For real. Really surrendered. Whatever you say, I will do. Do you live your life? Do we live our life? Uh, ask myself. Do I ask? Even now. Do I live my life that way? I will do whatever you say to do. Prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And 
Righteousness is a person who's fully conformed to God's will, not their own. That's why Elijah was given to be the one given as an example. And here's the result of the prayer. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. And it also looked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. They fall to their faces. They fall on the ground. And they say, the Lord, he is God. He is God. Listen, the miracle, watch, watch this. The miracle wasn't the cool part. We, we think, man, that was an awesome story because the fire on the, on the wood that was wet. Listen, that wasn't the miracle. The miracle was you had these pagan people turning their hearts to the Lord, crying out on their hands and their knees, falling face to the ground, saying, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Their whole hearts had turned. Every miracle God performs is to turn the heart of somebody. It's not to show off his abilities. He already did that when he made the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky. Just look around and be amazed. But even the heavens declare his glory. And he does it so that the people's hearts would be turned. And what was Elijah's heart? Just to see people come to know God the way that he knew God. He just wanted you to know God the way that he knew God. And he positioned himself in a famine, and he put himself whatever God told him to do and follow whatever God said to do, because ultimately his heart was to make sure that you knew who God was. And I've come to also tell you today that Elijah went through all of that for you. 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 Because you have the luxury of opening a book today. And reading and understanding the same truth that those people understood then. And the story has carried on. And nothing will ever stop the story from being shared. It's the good news. That God loves you. And Elijah went through a famine for three years. And he got fed by a raven, a piece of bread and water, so that you could hear his story one day of what God done. And, and Elijah could care less about getting recognition. He wants you to think about God today and to turn your hearts to him today. That's why the miracle occurred. So that you would know what he came to know, that God is a God that can be trusted and followed. And when you obey him, God will deliver on his promises. And there's, I promise you, just as much as Jesus or God, but Elijah would also want to say to you today, if you would, just, just imagine Elijah, just the man, human man, saying to you, I want your prayers to be powerful and effective. And I learned something. Do what God says to do. Listen to what he says. And make your will aligned with his will. And then your prayers will be powerful and effective. Because they won't be all about you. When we pray, we need to know simply this. Intimacy promotes potency. Elijah, no question, was a man of intimacy with God. He was a man who was intimate. Intimacy promotes potency. Jesus said, when you pray, go shut your door, get somewhere private with me. Because I want to get intimate with you. Now, Jesus didn't say, I want to get intimate with you. But last time I checked, when you shut your door and you lock it, Intimacy is about to occur. Amen. Come on, married people. Let us go. Amen. Okay. Come on. You don't lock your door? 
you, you're at your own risk then, okay? In the Hughes house, we lock our door. Intimacy. Intimate, by the way, we think about it in a sexual way, but intimate means the state of being familiar. Hear me out. Intimacy is familiarity. When married couples get intimate, let's just take the example I just said to you. You get very familiar. Amen? Yes? <laughs> you get very familiar. So we think about it in a sexual way, but I want you to think about this way today. I want you to think about getting familiar with the Lord. Now, the Lord is familiar with you. Scripture says he formed you in your mother's womb before you ever even thought of. He's very familiar with you. He, he's very familiar with you. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows it. He knows what you say before you even say it. So he's very familiar with you. But I have a question for you today. Familiar with him? I mean, are you really familiar with him? Are you? Are you familiar with him? Do you know him intimately? Scripture says that he knows all the numbers of hair on your head. How much do you actually know about him? Not how many Bible verses do you have memorized. You can memorize a lot of Scripture and not know him. How much do you know about your Father in heaven? What would you say about him? Would you just quote what you've heard preachers say? Right on billboards? How would you describe them? You describe him. What has he been saying to you? He wants you to know him intimately. Why? Because he wants nothing more than you to get to know him for everyone around you to get to know him. Not just to know the Bible, but to know him. Our personal relationship with God determines the power behind our prayers. When we pray, here's what happens. We get to know God better and better and better. Can I just tell you the reason why you should be praying is simply for one reason, not to make your plans occur. The reason why prayer was created was so that you would get to know him better. We pray so much for what we want done and neglect the reason for the meeting. Prayer is not only where you come to present your request to God, but it's where you come to get to know God. We discover his heart for ourselves and others. We get to know him intimately and personally. How does God feel? about your situation at work? How does he see 
your neighbor? How does he see what's happening in our world? So many of us are puffed up about what we think about what's happening in our world. What does God say about it? What would he be saying about it? Let's be more concerned with his heart for other people than our own hearts. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says your heart is completely wicked. Did you know your heart is deceitful? In other words, humans, you can't really trust your heart. I wouldn't follow if I were you. Jesus would say, you should follow me. Because you follow your heart, you get all messed up. Follow me. Prayer is created so you can get to know the heart of the Father. So that you can take his heart and a piece of his heart and apply it here to earth so that we can actually see a piece of heaven on earth while we wait for his kingdom to come. For him to accomplish everything that he's said that he's going to accomplish. This past week, I went to a small time to retreat, to pray, and one of the things the Father told me was this. This is in my personal prayer time. It's been a couple of days, and I was praying. and um, So I spent Monday playing golf, but praying, and Tuesday, uh, <laughs> you can pray on the golf course, amen. But uh, spent some time. Monday's my Sabbath, by the way. So if you try to text me or call me on Mondays, um, occasionally, maybe, I'll have a lunch with you, but that's about it. You want your pastor to honor the Word of God or no? Let me take a day off. I mean, if you want to ask me to sin on Monday, just ask me to commit murder and adultery too, you know? How many of you want me to commit adultery? Well, they don't ask me to talk to you on Monday. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Amen? Okay, support your pastors. Okay, here we go. This past week, I went on a small retreat, and here's what the Lord told me. Okay, he told me this. He didn't tell you. He told me, I want you to want me more than what you want from me. That's what I heard from Dad this week. And it, of course, was for me. I had gone there, and here's what I said. I was sitting there, I was journaling, and the Lord said, Ricky, from the, day, from the moment you arrived here, you put me on the clock like a sports team trying to draft somebody for their team. You put me on the clock. And I did. The first thing I told the Father was like, all right, Lord, I got two days, let's go. <laughs> and I was wanting him to unfold his whole plan to me. And he's like, did you come here to hang out with me, or did you come here to me to get something? And it made me think about how I feel when my children come to me because they want something, but how, makes it, how it makes me feel when they just come and they just want to be close to me and they don't want anything from me. You ever had somebody come close to you and you're like, all right, what do you want from me? <laughs> and you, you would love if they would just come and you say, I want, honestly, I don't want anything from you. I just want to be next to you. I want you to know that's what the Father wants for you. He just wants you to want to come to Him. He does not want, He doesn't want you to come just because you want something from Him. He wants you to come because you just want Him. When was the last time you prayed and you didn't ask him for a thing? You didn't make one request. And if you did, it was this one thing. I just want to know you. Dad, I just want to know you. I just want to know you more. 
not going to ask you for a miracle. I'm not going to ask you for a healing. I'm not going to ask you for a job. I'm not going to ask you for more money. I'm not going to ask you to make a way. I'm not going to ask you to provide a miracle. I'm not going to ask you, ask you, ask you, ask you. I just want to be with you. And I just want you to show me more of who you are. I love when my kids just want to hang out with me. In fact, it hurts me when I ask to hang out with them and they say they want to do something else instead. The other day that happened to me, my kids were like, I want to go play outside. And it broke me. In that little moment, I got a little jealous. But you know, God gets jealous in a healthy way, in an understanding of it. was a, I know you got to go play, but I wish you would have said, yeah, I want to spend time with you. Please don't go tell my children, go hang out with your dad today, please. I understand they have other things to do, but I got jealous of their time with others. Why? Because I love my kids. Gosh, I love them. And in the same way, even to a great, greater degree, the Father wants to hang out with you. This is the point of this whole series. Your Father in heaven wants to speak with you. He wants to have a close and personal relationship with you. So close that you get to know his heart, get to know him intimately, and know him better and better and better. And here is the promise when you get to know his heart. His will will become your will. Your prayers will be heard, and they will accomplish wonderful results for you and the kingdom of God. Father, I invite you to speak to your children. And I want to end today like this, and Milby will come up in just a minute, but just take the next minute or two and write. You can talk with him. Just talk with the Father. You need to confess sin, confess sin. You repent, repent. Lord is speaking to you. And I want to leave you with a question. What is exactly the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Take time to write it down so you don't forget when you leave. <laughs>